tonight, um, I would like to talk to you about Colossians 1.27, and um, one of the biggest parts of the scripture is the hope of glory. So just to kind of coincide with what God has given to Charles. Um, once again, thank you um, for joining us this evening on uh, or at 7.15. I'm so excited that you're a part of it. My name is Sean. I'm one of the associate pastors here. And I find it a great privilege that I'll be able to share the word with you this evening. And I pray um, that you will be edified by it. Um, as I mentioned, we'll be looking at Colossians 1, um, verse 27. I'll read it, we'll pray, and then we will go ahead and get started. Colossians 1, 27 um, reads, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your love and your care that you have for all of us that are a part of this community and beyond just Grace Covenant Church, but those who are part of your family, a part of the kingdom of light. Um, it's nothing that we've done to deserve it. And so this evening, Father, I ask that you will use me as a tool to communicate your message. Move me aside. They don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. Um, so I pray, Father God, that as a carpenter uses a hammer, that you will use me this evening to communicate your eternal truths that may change our lives um, forever. Um, we look forward to seeing you make change in us. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You know, the idea um, of glory, or excuse me, of hope, um, the hope of glory, that, that phrase there that is found at the end of of Colossians 1.27 has been something that I've been meditating on a while and just kind of thinking about the aspects of what that means for us, the confident expectation that comes along um, with, with of glory that is promised by God himself and that this promise is for us. It's, yes, there's a glory that God has that stands apart, is holy, is totally separated from us as a people, but um, individually for me as a son of God, that I would be considered a joint heir, as Paul says in, in another passage, that I would be considered a joint heir with Christ, that if I will share in his sufferings, I will also share in his glory. What a wonderful thought. And so um, one of the things that I feel like my assignment to you um, this evening is to kind of explain or to talk through what this particular verse means in the context of this letter that Paul is, has written to the people of Colossae, the, the church of the Colossians. And to really kind of be able to grasp what he's saying, I need to read a little bit more so you can capture the verse in context. So I want to um, go back to the passage of Colossians chapter 1 and start at verse 24, which reads, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. As Paul has been confronted, if you think about the context of the chapter, he's been confronted by someone that was actually one to God, um, through his ministry in Ephesus. And Ephesus was a place for Paul where he suffered greatly. 
being stoned and whipped and, and really having the persecution of the, 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 the attack, or I should say the attack of the enemy through persecution really um, laid bare on him. In, in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 7, he says um, that we have this treasure in jars of clay um, to show the surpassing greatness or the surpassing power of God. Um, not of us, but of God is how he, he actually says it. And that's in 4-7. Um, but then he goes on in, in verse 8 to say that we were um, uh, persecuted but not forsaken. We were, excuse me, in, in, in verse 8 he actually says, um, I'm getting nervous. You know I haven't preached in a moment. It's, it's been a little while and, and I want to get everything perfect. But, but the idea that of what I'm trying to share is that Paul absolutely understood that what he went through in Ephesus, the pain that he suffered, the, the beatings that he took, he said that we have been afflicted from all sides in verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We've been afflicted in every kind of way, but we haven't been crushed. And he knew that he wasn't crushed because of that great power that resided on the inside of him. And here he is rejoicing in verse 24, he is rejoicing that his suffering has led to a church being planted in Colossae. And the leader of that church, his name was Epaphras. Epaphras had found um, Paul in Rome and he, while Paul was on um, house arrest, and he explained to him that there was a heretical teaching. There was this thing that had been creeping into the church and that as the leader of that particular church, he was concerned about what was going on. And I think we get a clue to some of the things that Epaphras shared with Paul found right in verse 23 of the same chapter because Paul, he warns the people and saying, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Before Paul kind of starts to lay out the credentials of his job, what his stewardship is, what his job is, he wants them to understand that um, what he's been hearing, what, well, I, I should say it this way, the, the way that Paul is addressing this letter to the people is that he understands that this thing that has been creeping in to the life of the believers there threatens to move them off the square of continuing in the faith that comes from God up above. And so he lays out kind of his job description of, of what God has called him to do. And we see in this set of scriptures that he's been called to go through the persecution. Um, but he's, he's, he's also been called to make sure that the Gentiles understand how great are the riches of the glory of a certain mystery. That mystery being Christ in you, the hope of glory. And what we find in um, verse 27, which leads to my, my first point, which is that God has laid out a divine strategy in um, 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 creating a job position for someone like Paul. Someone like us, the Great Commission calls us all to go out and be disciple makers, to, to go and make disciples of the nations. He has created this job because he knew how the enemy would attack us. 
And one of the ways that the enemy tried to attack, we find it in chapters 2 and in chapter 3 of this same book, is that he comes in and he begins to try to lay in this standard that says it's not just Jesus alone that you need, but you need to add this one thing. Some of it was adding these works that you needed to do. Maybe it was uh, the cutting away of foreskins or observing certain um, Sabbath holidays, becoming more along the lines of, of, of what was in the Jewish traditions. It was you needing to follow these certain guidelines to help qualify you for um, this position as a son of God, as a member of the kingdom of light. But the reality is, is that God actually chose you himself. We find it right there at the beginning of the verse. Um, what, what God had told to the saints was to them God chose to make known. It was God's choice. He had already identified a problem. The initial and most important problem that God identified was found in the garden. It was the fall. It was the separation, it was the rebellion that was created through our great, 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 great granddaddy, Adam. It was in that separation, it was in that rebellion that we found ourselves not at peace with God. And so God initiated the work to reconcile us back unto himself. Paul had been highlighting that all through this um, beginning passage as he talks about the preeminence of Christ and, and how he prayed for them. He wanted to remind them of this truth that it is not what you earn from God in terms of his relationship or uh, uh, to, 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 to have audience with the king of kings. It wasn't in something that we could do personally. It was never that. It was always God who initiated. And so a part of the heresy, part of the lie that tried to creep into the church was this idea that you needed to add something to it. And that's something that we face today. It's something that, 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 that we, as a, as a body of believers, um, in this time that we're in, we find that we're looking to add something to it. Um, because it the reality is that there's a deep longing on the inside of all of us that only God can fill. But there's an enemy that comes in and says, but, it, you know, it's, it's really not filled all the way. You need to add something on. And so we find it. You, 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 you can find it in what your nightmares are. You can find that thing that maybe the enemy is trying to add on and some would identify as an idol in the nightmares. What is the thing that if you lost, life would cease to have any type of of meaning to you? What is that thing that, that, that if you can't have it any longer, you don't want to live anymore? Is that the very thing that we're, we're taking to God? I, uh, I, I don't mean something like a statue, or an idol that we bow down to, but maybe it's the position that you hold within your, your company that you work at, the prestige that comes along with it. Maybe it's the, the, the approval that you receive from others as a mother. And it's in being a mother that you find the purpose and existence and fullness. Maybe it's as a, as, as a father and your position as a provider. Or maybe it, 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 it is um, the, the, the glory that comes along with having the latest, greatest gadget. Whatever the... the, 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 the magnitude of the approval that you're looking for, the reality is it can never fulfill you. 
And we work for that fulfillment. We work and try to, um, the enemy is able to add something else in there in conjunction with our flesh um, that tells us that there is more that we need to really find the approval that can only come from God. And so first thing that God did was says, look, I have chosen you and giving this job and giving this stewardship to Paul. He let him know that, look, you need to let the Gentiles know. Understand that in Jewish thinking, Gentiles was anyone outside of the covenant, outside of the covenant promises, outside of the kingdom of God. You need to let them know that there is something great that I have made available to them. And it was because I chose to. Not because of the family that they are a part of, not because of the job that they have, not because of their nationality or some political party, not their ethnicity has qualified them. I qualified them by putting on human flesh, coming and living the life that they should have lived and dying the death that they should have died. Paul has been elegantly laying it out. With great eloquence, Paul laid out the preeminence of Christ and who he was as the author of life. And we find that earlier in the chapter. But this same um, king of kings is the one who came and laid down his life on our behalf. And there was nothing that we did to earn it. And in Romans 6, 23, it says, he says that it is the free gift of God, eternal life through this Jesus, through this Christ, this Messiah. And so after identifying a problem, God set out in motion a divine strategy, which was initiated with, with the sending of his son or the proclamation of a, a coming Messiah and then the, the sending of his son, his son living a perfect life, dying the death that we deserve and being raised from the dead on the third day, proving that he was the son of God. That was the first part of this job description that Paul was given, that you need to go out and to proclaim this truth. There's something interesting that Paul does in the, the second part of this verse um, as he is describing, as he's kind of laying down his credentials for the people of Colossae. He says that the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, I've already alluded to this idea that of about of, of approval. Glory in and of itself, if we think about that word glory, sometimes we can think of it, the magnitude of it in a stage of something that you shouldn't really desire as a Christian, right? Like think about like an Olympic stage where the world is watching. There are athletes from all over the planet coming there, um, convening together to test their physical talents against one another. And that there are people, because of the allure of the glory that is offered in that situation where they work so hard to pursue it, uh, uh, that glory, that stage. Um, it's not necessarily just about, it can, it can be a good thing. Don't, don't get me wrong, because th th there are times where we, we misconstrue this idea that God doesn't want us. Um, to find approval from other people. He created us as a community, and there is an iron sharpening iron. There is something that's inherent in us um, that, 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 is, that is satisfied on some level um, from others approving us. I, I, I know this because I have a four-year-old, and there are um, times where, um, you know, before um, COVID-19, I used to go to this, this place called a um, babysitter uh, or daycare. 
and I would go and I would pick her up. I didn't have to wear a mask or anything like that. I, I mean, it seems like ancient history, um, and maybe one day we'll get back to that time. But um, there was these moments where I would go, and my daughter, this, this four-year-old, she would run up. And maybe when she was three, she would run up, and, and she would have these pictures, and it would just be crayons inside and outside the circle, and it would be different colors mishmashed together. It wouldn't necessarily be, um, you know, the greatest artistic work that was known to man, but she would run, and she would say, Daddy, look, 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 Daddy, look. And it was there that she was, what she was looking for was the approval that I could give to her. See, God has planted that somewhere deep on the inside of us that we all look for it. There are um, ways that we express that in humanity. And the enemy plays on this idea. He plays on it. And we see it kind of forming when we we think about the various groups that are right now with all of the social injustice. Um, But there are various groups standing up and saying, look, we we matter. We, We absolutely matter. And that we deserve the dignity of, of, of being created in the image of God. And that is something that I think we can all affirm. Um, in particular, like with the, the, the motif of Black Lives Matter. That is something that we can, we can affirm. That there is um, a, a need to um, affirm that idea in other men and women. But when a good thing can become an ultimate thing, it creates a problem. It creates a problem that we begin to get satisfied with something less than. And so if there's some sinful behavior, there's some sinful idea, there's something that's contrary to what God wants, and we rest and find our identity in that, and we we get enough people around us who who can give us approval, then we, we, we find ourselves, even as Christians, we can be pushed off the square of really trusting in God to, to give us that approval. See, this mystery of Christ in you is that this approval, not only have you been qualified, which is the first thing that, that Paul kind of lays out that he was supposed to carry to the people, but that there's a, this mystery that the King of Kings is actually in you. See, in Colossians 2.8, that, that, that he mentions the philosophies of men. Philosophies of men there were, were trying to tell them that there's this secret knowledge. There's this, this doctrine of angels that, that if you don't get from us, you won't um, find the fulfillment that you really need. Glory, it, it, it resides in that. It resides in glory, this, this sense, this desire of approval. And being a part of a secret society gives me this, this, this kind of special knowledge that sets me apart, that makes me in some ways kind of beautiful, which is another part of, of, of glory. It's the, 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 the fame, the approval, and it's also the splendor or beauty of, of, of being distinguished. And so the second thing that that Paul lays out here in his job description um, in this particular verse is that there's this mystery that you don't actually achieve this approval. You don't achieve this beauty that you're looking for outside of yourself. It's actually the thought that Christ is in you, that we can actually look inward, not to ourselves, not to identify ourselves and, and give identity there, but it's actually in Christ. It's in this intimacy that we find the gospel truth that is to, for today. Look how he says, he says, Christ 
in you. Like it's a present reality. And so as an individual, there is something that's not just for the sweet by and by. But it's something for today, like my daughter running up and looking for approval in the moment that God is able to give to us because he resides on the inside of us. I mean, it, it truly is good news. You know, as, as, as someone whose father left him at three, and this sense of abandonment and, and learning to cope with that and finding coping, coping mechanisms to deal with the feeling of rejection. And looking for um, this approval, this, this acceptance in so many different areas um, while I was in college and in different times of my life, whether it was the pursuit of some material item. You know, it's, it's funny how like a pair of shoes can make you feel like you're the man. And, it, and it's in going out and getting, when I was in college, it was going out and getting a new pair of J's or, 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 or Air Jordans. Um, that would distinguish me and somehow make me um, um, the man on campus because I was able to get it before everyone else. It didn't happen too often. I was kind of broke in college. But the thought was still there. The thought was still there that if I could just get this particular item that, that I could find the fulfillment that I'm really looking for from the approval of, of, of the homies, of, of my friends, and saying, man, where, when did you get them jumps, huh? Or maybe it was from the ladies and saying, oh, I like your, your, your outfit. It, 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 it's funny how when we are coping with pain from our past, from our brokenness, um, how we look to fulfill it. And even as Christians, we still do the same thing. And, 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 and this is the, one of the things that the enemy was trying to bring in to this church. And so in God's job description that he had given to Paul even before um, he received this message from Epaphras is that Christ is in you, that the riches of the glory, of the mystery, is Christ is in you. That he has come to make his abode on the inside of you. That in sending the Holy Spirit, remember the, the, the great mystery of the, the Trinity that I won't even pretend to try to fully explain is that God is one in three persons and that the Holy Spirit who resides on the inside of us is the same as Christ residing on the inside of us and the Father residing on the inside of us. Scripture, New Testament Scripture is, tells us on a consistent basis that Christ has come to make his home on the inside of us. And so back to that good news, the good news that I no longer have to find some other way to cope with the deep pain of not having a father there is that the father of all fathers has come to make his home on the inside of me that could bring the affirmation that I need, that I don't need to go to some of these um, fugazi sources to, 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 to find the fulfillment that I'm looking for of this self-glory that the world offers to me. I don't have to fall prey to that any longer. And this mystery also kind of, if you, if you think about it, it's not just kind of from an individual standpoint, but it's also on a more grand idea. To, to explain this point, I, I got to kind of take you into the mind of Paul just a little bit. Paul, who was a Pharisee, we see in Philippians that he says that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Um, as far as being a Jew, he was a Pharisee. Uh, uh, as far as the law, he was um, he, that no one could make accusation against him because of the way that he lived his life. And so he would have been well versed in the idea of the coming Messiah, the coming age of the kingdom of God. 
He would have been well-versed in this idea that even though Israel was under the, the foot of Roman rulership, that there was coming a time. And, 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 and for many during that time frame, they considered the end of the age as we know it. And that the start of a new age would be under the government of God. This rulership um, would take place with someone like David from David's line sitting on the throne for eternity. And so Paul and those in the society that he or the culture that he grew up in had an eye to the end. And they live kind of with this this, this view of, of, of the end of the age coming and, and they, that they were looking for it. The thing, and, and, and Paul was a contemporary of those who walk with Jesus. And, and one of the things he would have found out in his studying and getting to know about Jesus is that Jesus, the thrust of Jesus' um, proclamation was that the kingdom of God was at hand. That the reign, the rulership of God um, was here right now. And that the work that he was doing was evidence that the kingdom was there. And that this rich glory of this mystery that the kingdom was now was something that was so surprising to Paul. And I think that's why he uses the adjectives that he uses to describe what this mystery is. It's not only that Christ is in you, but Christ, his rule and reign, the reign of God has already begun. As, as, as Christians, we often are caught with the idea that God will save us, um, but we don't think about what does that mean for us today. And because we don't really, really, really grow in understanding this great truth that Christ is in us, but it's also that the kingdom of God is at hand, the rule and reign of God is for today that we don't really grow. I, I found this in one of the commentaries that I was studying. He said, this is the great mystery. It is the greatest truth taught in the Bible, and yet it is the most seriously missing element in many churches today. Most Christians in our churches understand that Christ died for the forgiveness of their sins. They believe that and came to Christ because of that. But that, that is where most of them stop. Relatively few, it seems, ever go on to grasp the fact that Jesus died for them, that he might live in them. And it is his life in them that is the source of power, change, and deliverance, and the ability to resist temptation. That is how loneliness is met and companionship provided. It is not enough to know that Christ died in order that we might go to heaven. We are also to know, understand, and practice Christ actually living in us now. That is surely the most astounding truth in the Bible. One, one of the things that I get out of that and, and what he's saying is that because we have stopped at this one place that we are good for eternity as if we've crossed the finish line, we don't recognize not only what it does in us personally, but I would add to it what that means for our community. That there is something greater that God is offering under his government, under his kingdomship that should help people to transfer from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And as we grasp this truth, this truth that, of this mystery that Christ is in us and that the government of God, the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of the, the creator of the universe has been made available to us that should transform us in such a way that we don't live according to the world. We are in this world, but that we are not of this world. 
and that we can have change. We can see certain change in the, in the lives of the individuals that God has brought influence to us um, or, or, or has allowed us to have influence in their lives in that sphere of influence that is there. There is an um, a, 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 a implication um, for us as a community. The vision of Grace Covenant Church is to win the city. It's because of we are in this age, this mystery that was foretold from time past uh, 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 or, or that had been around from time past but was revealed to the apostles is that this kingdom is here and now and it is represented by the king himself living on the inside of us. And that in and of itself brings about the confidence that we can have. And why I believe Paul uses the moniker, the hope of glory. You know, I, 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 I kind of mentioned and started to talk about um, this idea of glory um, and going off to the Olympics. And um, the allure that's there. And the approval that one gets when they are able to get on that stage and, and how they are. Um, have to train and have this linear focus to be able to achieve certain goals. I mean, um, the, the idea of training for four years with the idea that uh, on that fourth year that I will peak at the right time and be able to perform at the, my greatest ability um, is just phenomenal. Um, it, it, it made me laugh just thinking about, you know, um, I think it was 2008. Uh, my wife, my wife is Jamaican, by the way, and, and, and that you know, for the most part, that, that, that just means that I eat really good um, because of the great meals that she cooks. Um, she's far more than just a cook. But when she puts her foot in some food, I got to give her credit for that. So I, I just want to say thank you um, <laughs> for helping me uh, obtain this belly um, because of all of the um, great food that you have um, made over the years. Um, but back in 2008, one thing that was kind of exposed is that we are... Um, my family, um, my wife and I, we are both kind of heavily into sports, um, and the Olympics brings out the nationalistic side of us. And so it doesn't matter if it's um, water polo or synchronized swimming. I don't even watch synchronized swimming, but I am rooting for the Americans to win the gold medal in that particular sport um, because they represent um, this nation that I love. Well, for her, it's the same is true for Jamaica. Both of her parents are from Kingston. And even though I try to bring up the fact that she was born in the Boogie Down, um, the borough of Bronx, uh, New York, um, she says, look, I am a Jamaican-American. And in 2008, little did I know um, that an alien was stepping to the line um, of the 100-meter dash. And I'm with my American pride looking forward to... to um, singing the national anthem in her face um, because once again we were going to take the goal. This alien who put on human flesh, flesh named Usain Bolt, stepped to the line. And in less than, I mean, I, I can't remember the exact time, but somewhere certainly less than 9.7 seconds, this man blew the competition away, beating his chest as he was crossing the finish line. I mean, it was crazy. And, it, you, you know, him doing that on that stage um, gained worldwide approval for him. And it even became, in my household, someone that we could point our kids to, our sons. They, they do track. And, and like I said, 
and my wife is Jamaican, and that's part of the national pastime there. And so um, track is something that we love. And we point to him and the hard work and the linear focus that he had, that he was able to get to that stage and be able to succeed at that level. And so there's some good aspects, once again, to glory um, that God has layered on the inside of us um, that we can go after. That there is nothing wrong in and of itself of wanting to compete at the highest stages on the Olympic platform that is there and going out and going for gold. And the training that you put in and the time that you, you put in, I'm sure that, that Usain has some expectation of being able to win. I didn't know it, but I'm sure during the year he had already been putting foot to tail of other racers all around the globe for him to be able to beat them down like that on such a great stage. But there's something greater that comes with the expectation when you know that Christ resides on the inside of you. And it's the hope. You know, we're living in a time where hope seems to be a fleeting thing. When you feel a little confident that things are going to get back to normal, it seems like there's an outbreak of the COVID over here or over there or um, the social unrest that is being driven by the, the plight of African-Americans in this country. And then there's a, another uh, video that comes out that shows, man, we are not past this, the, this original sin of America. We, we're just not past that. Hope seems to be something that goes away. But with Christ in you, Paul is laying out that, man, my job, the job that God has given me, the divine strategy that God has laid out to deal with the issues that the enemy will bring against believers is that there is a hope of glory. There is a confident expectation for me individually that I will be approved that one day, in the great realm of the kingdom of God in the throne room that God will say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's not the approval of others. It's not the hand claps of others. That is so much beneath than hearing God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that there will be a transformation that I will no longer have to deal with some of the pain and anguish that has come from my past, that has come from horrible decisions that I have made myself, that comes from when I see the depravity of man and the various things in this world when I turn on the news. That, that's not gonna, that will no longer reside on the inside of me because I'll be made like Christ. That there will be a new beauty, there will be a new splendor that comes about. But also as a community, also as a planet, when we, we're in that time frame, when the full um, consummation of the times, the, the full expression of the kingdom is realized on the new earth, that it won't be the same pain and struggle that we have. That space of utopia that we think is actually we can have a, a, a confident hope that it's coming, that that glory is coming. In fact, the, 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 the earth cries out for it, for the revealing of the sons of gods, because the, even the earth knows that there is something greater. That Paul says that because Christ is on the inside of us, because of this great mystery, that there is a hope, a confident expectation that we can have. The Olympics is something that 
I was, as I was talking to my wife about it, 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 it was really interesting. There is such a confidence in um, the vitality of the Olympics that years ago, Tokyo, I believe, was supposed to host it this year, actually this month, or in, yeah, this month, um, that they were supposed to host it. They had already started building infrastructure to prepare for it. That athletes, as I told you, Olympians, they had already um, began prepping for it four years ago. Um, one of the greatest gymnasts, um, if not the greatest gymnast, Simone Biles, she talked about the science of peaking and how she was preparing. But in, in the article that I read, when she got the news that because of COVID-19 and it was canceled, she felt like something had kind of died on the inside, that there was like this sense of depression weighing down on her. Because what she had put her hope in failed her. Even though we had never seen a time frame that the Olympics wouldn't be around, we're here, we're seeing that today. So even something like that, something as assured as the, the reoccurrence of the Olympics doesn't give us the same assurity that Christ himself gives. He defeated death. He defeated the enemy. He died and rose again from the dead. It was in that space that he proved who he was. Despite all the evidence that is there for the world to see, God saw fit that he would qualify us himself so that we can enjoy this same hope of glory that is being offered. And that there may be some who are, are watching today who don't, who don't know that sense of hope, who haven't tasted of that sense of confidence that comes from knowing that the king of kings resides on the inside of you. I want to give you an opportunity to do that because I believe that God is knocking on the doorway of your heart right now and letting you know he's done all of the work and that he has qualified you even though you stood outside of the covenant promises. And that not only is there a change available to you, but he wants to work change in the community around you um, because of the great mystery of the, the great riches of the glory of that mystery. Will you um, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior? If so, um, let's take a moment to pray. Um, or actually repeat after me as you pray. Heavenly Father, I confess that I am a sinner. I confess that I fall short of your glory. Um, that there is nothing in me that qualifies me. And I receive the free gift of grace that you extend to me. Um, by qualifying me through the blood of Jesus. Thank you for this, Lord. I bow my knee to you as Savior and King. In the name of Jesus, amen.